You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Joining me today, Tony-winning director Alex Brightman, Mark Kaufman, executive vice president, Warner Brothers Theatre Ventures, and Beetlejuice himself, Alex Brightman. Let's dive back in. Mark, can you just walk us through real quickly, you know, reading, 29 hours, you know, what what were the markers along the way? So we, we did some 20-hour readings, and after each one, we did work sessions, like Alex mm-hmm. said, and whether it was hotel rooms or wherever they were. Um, and then we ended up doing a, a, a workshop uh, downtown. And the then first act, I think. Of the first, of, right, sorry, just the first act. And then the second act we, we did at, we did with them sitting at stands. Didn't we have them? For that one, Right, yeah. for that one. And then I think we did another 20-hour, and I, I think that was... And then we went to D.C. I, I know we did something in... We, did, we didn't do a 20-hour in between D.C. and... and um, and bro, we actually started rehearsal a little earlier so we can we can um, you know do the changes we wanted between DC. I think and the New only York. thing you're missing out of that is they did a couple of movement and choreography labs mm-hmm. that I think oh, were like n- necessary because and they were outside of sort of the regular rehearsal stuff that I was brought into a little bit of, but it was mostly like pre-production people and dancers that our choreographer Connor and and uh, Nancy would bring in just to say, just to throw choreography on some, uh, you know, them and see it and film it and look at it and like football tape and be like, yeah. that doesn't work, this works, that works. But they did a couple of times in between these I just between and our readings. And That's right. Yeah, we. I think it was like every six months, roughly, we'd do something. We'd like do a reading, six months, did a reading, did a workshop of the first act. Can you come in and try this suit on? Workshop. It was like, you know, yeah, things like that. Yeah, and then like lots that. of stuff in between. It really yeah. was a full-time job for... Like in a, in a thrill, a full time job, you're very excited to go to work for. Oh hour. yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's really exciting, and and seeing it evolve. I mean, I, even before going backwards, when we would, used to sit in those Sunday uh, afternoon, we sat in the hotel room with the creative, and, and Eddie would play mm-hmm. the music. Like yeah. when Eddie first came on, and he would play the songs, and he would read Beetlejuice, and the guy, and everybody had a part, including. I think I even read, which was scary, but yeah, um, <laughs> and, and it was just it was a great process, but. You know, everybody was so invested in it. I, that's the greatest thing about it is that everybody kind of fell in love with it. So it wasn't like you had to, oh, here's your schedule. Can we try to fit it in? Everybody, everybody would come to us and be like, let's. We're going to try to work this into our schedule because it was just some something fun to work on. And, and I think, by the way, that shows on stage. And one of the things I've I've gotten from a lot of people is, wow, your show's really fun. 
And it starts from the other side of the stage, you know, where Alex is standing and where Alex is sitting. And it's, it's, it brings it, you know, it, it's back and forth. Well, it, it's an extraordinary process. And, you know, you typically, for a show that doesn't have all these special effects and pyrotechnics and smoke and, and characters and, oh, my gosh, um, you know, it's hard enough. It's hard enough to just see what you have working in hotel rooms, working until you get it in front of an audience just sure. to, to see it on its feet. Right. And so I'm sure when you went to D.C., that was really your first time in front of a real audience. Certainly that many. Yeah. I mean, we had like little audiences here and there, but they were mostly friendly because we were we knew them or yeah. they were show other showbiz folk. This was the first time for us that we got it in front of muggles. Right, exactly. And so listening to those muggles is so such an important part of the process. Oh my gosh, huge. What they respond to, what they don't respond to. And so, you know, if you want to talk just about the experience of maybe your expectations and what worked, what didn't, and, and that you, you know, and how you guys dove in with the work ethic that you established all along to it's just amazing to walk out onto the street of D.C. In, without makeup on and sort of a hoodie on and hearing sort of like older people being like, there was a lot of swearing. <laughs> a lot, I didn't care for the swearing. Yeah. And kind of thinking to yourself, you hear that a couple more times, you're like, I think we're going to cut some of the swearing. Because yes. <laughs> you do have to listen to your audience. There was a, there was a different tone in D.C. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was more, we sort, of, we, were, we, we sort of skirted the line with raunchy. And, um, and it was unnecessary. And that's what we found in New York is that it really was unnecessary because we went from, we, the, the intention was to be irreverent. And, and somehow it got a little bit away from us, but that's why you go out of town. I mean, you have to learn these things because we, like Alex just said, we had a lot of friends and, and they're not always going to, they're, they're supportive, but they're not always going to tell you the difficult things that they need to say. Mm-hmm. That audience told us, and that's why, you know, then we came back to New York and Alex and the creative team literally rolled up their sleeves. And they could have, you know, there have been stories, Dory, you and I have discussed this, where the creative team has said, oh, I, you know, this is a challenge I can't face, or they just sort of put it, you know, put in the work, but don't really put in the work. You guys really, um, like, you wrote new songs, you, you, you worked on characters, relationships, you, you know, we wrote the whole new number, the, the whole opening number, kept the same idea of the number, but moved it around a little bit. And Beetlejuice as a character changed. Yeah. Changed he, fundamentally, his, yeah. his, 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 his intention from the jump changed, that he wasn't starting as this conniving trickster and who cares, I don't care about anybody, just myself. But what we found, and it wasn't me, it was the writers and the other, they said, you know, what if it was, and it was Alex who said, what if his intention is that Beetlejuice is literally invisible? So what that means, what makes him relatable is that we all felt not seen before. So that is the most human thing about him. And so just from the top, him saying, I just want somebody to see me, makes him instantly more relatable and has more of a drive and an engine for the show rather than, I just want to be alive so I can keep messing things up. Yeah, you're rooting for it. You the, completely, the from the top. Absolutely. I think we were realizing we created a lot of obstacles for ourselves that we didn't realize were there. Because what happens, and I'm sure you'll agree about this as a producer, One of, and I know this, I mean, everyone around this table can has, has versions of this, that something that can be so charming in a workshop or a reading as soon as you put lights and makeup and scale and a 12-foot gap into the front of the front row, the 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 all that kind of uh, 
the the warmth and generosity of spirit of the actors and that sort of like collective thing that happens in a rehearsal room uh, when you're seeing a reading or a workshop can can evaporate in ways that no one ever intended, you know. Um, and so what we realized was that things that sort of these wonderful actors could elide just because it's Alex Brightman and Sophie Ann Caruso and Carrie Butler uh, were actually like uh, pointed up in this, you know, and, and so we really need to dig into the, the text and the design and the uh, the direction and, and it affected performances as well. And the, the thing that was really wonderful and like, you know, made me just like fall in love with everyone working on this was every, no one sit, like dug in their heels, as Mark said. Everyone was like, okay, we all went back to see the show in the final week. The performers had all this information about what was working and what wasn't working for them. The designers were seeing it. The writers were seeing it with fresh eyes. The producers had amazing thoughts. And then we all sort of said, okay, well, let's make a list. Let's, and you know what? Let's not be precious. Let's do everything. And so I think we had we had this like list. You carried it around. It was like oh, a I carried it around. Paper. Literally, literally, it was in my jacket. I had a folded <laughs> version of it in my jacket, so I could refer to it when people stopped me on the street. And what it did was it created like a to even though you've been working on it for ten nine years at the point, maybe ten years, it creates a utter lack of preciousness. So, for example, we get to the final run through in the rehearsal room before we're moving to the theater to Broadway. And we look at each other and we're all like, you know, that Adam and Barbara song in Act Two? Oh, my it's, God. You know, it's good. It was a new one. It's not, you know, energetically. It's like, let's be brave enough and say, what about a new song that we could add during tech? And like Rob McClure and Carrie Butler, to their credit, we're, we're like, okay. So while we were I was teching, more freaked out than they were, I think. <laughs> while we were teching Act Two, they were up in the lobby, like by the bar in the Winter Garden, rehearsing Maitland's 2.0. We got some props and then teched it in and then it, I mean it, it, there were like a lot of examples of things like that and just releasing yourself and saying like we know where we're headed let's not like get stuck on what's there or what's not there it's it's like it's a it's a really cool I'm sure someone's written a spiritual book about like this lesson but it took me uh, many years to learn it well wow, this is this is why I love theater so much <laughs> it's just amazing what also by the way it took them that long to create this world so like by the time we got to things like this song isn't working or I don't think this is right for this world, It the world existed. So all we had to do was open ourselves up to go, and to be honest with ourselves and go, it doesn't live in this world. Because mm. everyone that was on stage found a tone very quickly. Right. And the minute nothing, the minute something didn't work, it just shined really brightly. And you could no one needed to kind of be subtle about it. They were like, that doesn't work. Yeah. It, you can see it. It literally, it's a sore thumb. That doesn't work. And we cut it. And it was nice. It was nice to have the permission to do it. But it's because these guys built the world that everyone trusted that we were able to go, this isn't our Beetlejuice. It's and, not. And Eddie and Anthony and Scott, oh to their, I mean, these are the most extraordinary rares. And they're just selfless and inventive. And we're just like, let's keep going. Let's try harder. Like, uh, it was extraordinary. I mean, we really like, I, you know, the, the three of us you're talking to were like a part of the reimagining of this. Right. But it, it was that. I mean, it's yes. totally them. We are at their service. And it, it also was sounds like the same writer. I mean, that's the yeah. other thing that's very rare. I find mm -hmm. as an audience member when you see musicals is you are very you're able to see where the sort of dog ears are in the in the show. And you go, this person left it here and then this person took over here. And then this feels like a song because this person wrote it. I'd be very hard pressed if I was an audience member to go, to think at least, to go, I think the book writers must have had some input in the lyrics. And they didn't really. It just, they spoke such a similar language by the time we got there that it just was seamless. So it all feels like the right show. It's the dream. It is. It's the total dream. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and, 
and you know, at the same time that this massive creative process has, in the dedication that you all had, the whole team had, and all the changes and all the work, you had another little show happening pretty <laughs> yeah. much at the same time. Yeah. You know, yeah. just a little a tiny endeavor. thing, tiny. Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Um, that, that must have been challenging. Yeah, it, it, was, it was fun because these things feed each other, you know, and uh, I learned things from both shows that applied to either show. I think one of the things that's, that's part, part of this conversation is things applies to either of those, um, those properties um, and the shows that resulted from them is the musical theater development process takes so long, right? Aren't you shocked whenever you meet someone who doesn't, and you're like, we've been working on this for eight to 10 years. That's how long, you know, if you look at In the Heights, Book of Mormon, you know, you name it, it's it's a long, long development process. Anything that really, truly works really well. Um, you can name on one hand anything that was less than five years, right? And, uh, and what also shifts is the zeitgeist. And so, you know, it's why so few musicals feel like sort of ripped from the, or people like Lin-Manuel Miranda are geniuses because they can predict the zeitgeist in some way, or it's like in their blood in some deep way that they don't know they're a futurist, right? And so for us, when we were starting this show, you know, our reference points were Rocky Horror, Book of Mormon, you know, Bly Bly Andrew Jackson, things like that. And uh, I think, you know, it, it does take a sort of like, you, you really have to be able to then step back at certain points of the process and say, you know, what what we need like in this moment from a Beetlejuice the musical is slightly different than what we thought in 2010. And I think uh, it's it's you know that that's a uh, that nimbleness is something that I, I wouldn't have been able to articulate to you a year and a half ago, but I've, I've realized that now. Yeah, such a good point. By the way, and just to also say, it was you did have Moulin Rouge and. and uh, during which is a major undertaking during this process, and never did I feel you were away from Beetlejuice. Like we never lost you, even when you were working on it, you were still like I've never seen somebody multitask like this guy. <laughs> I would co-sign on that statement. Yeah, thank you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, so when you are in the final uh, rehearsal and, and tech for a show. It's, it is never not a massive undertaking. It's never not unbelievably challenging, and you're never not grasping for every second you can get. And add in all the additional layers of special effects uh, that you guys have on this show. Um, what was it like, Alex, um, <laughs> uh, to, to, to navigate just this very extraordinary performance um, but you're also dodging snakes and, and pits. And sometimes and creating them. Um, it, this show, for me, uh, is two different shows. 
it's the musical and it's the magic show. And so keeping those straight in my head night to night, because both live theater and live magic can go horribly wrong, if not given the focus it deserves, that is the ultimate test. When I did School of Rock, it was stamina. That was my entire show, it was just stamina, get through it. This show is all brain. It's just making sure that things are set up and loaded in the right way. So by the time we got to the rehearsal process, I was hopefully, and I, you know, it, I, it is paying off now, doing hours outside of this, making sure that sleight of hand, which is something I never did before, or sleight of body, you know, like, was as good as it possibly could be so that we didn't have to waste time on stage making sure I was good with hiding a thumb somewhere. So for me, it was that. Also, in any tech process that I've done now, to steal a line from Neil Brennan, it just feels, before you do previews and even during previews, it feels the entire time that the theater is just filling up with water and you are just hitting the ceiling. And every time you can get something right, it just kind of dips a little bit and then continues. And so by the time you get the show where you need it to be, you've bailed out all the water. But it, that is exactly how a tech and preview process feels to me. It is as if you are drowning and trying to do the two things I just said while also just trying to keep your head above a continuously rising water situation. But once you get beyond it, it's just lovely. And there's no more water. And then when there is, there's a little leak here and there, then you know exactly what to do. We've been running for, what, eight months now? Now, there's nothing that could happen on stage, knock on wood, that we couldn't deal with. Amazing. But it's true. I mean, it's like we know what we're doing now. Yeah. And it's nice. I think about that when we start a rehearsal process. I think forward and going, man, it's going to be so cool when we're just doing it. <laughs> because it takes so long to do it. And when we're just doing it, it's blissful. That's, this isn't the job. The job is auditioning and maintaining this. Yeah. On stage every night is I can't wait to get to. That's well, the easy part. Well, the audience is going crazy for it. I mean, I my office is literally over the Winter Garden. Oh, yeah. And so I, <laughs> sorry I'm, about that. I'm doing no, no. It's wonderful. I'm I'm constantly doing double takes because I think you're walking by me all the time in costume. Oh right. Because there's oh, so many God. people who go see your show in costume. Yeah. And that's got to be. That's got to be a lot of fun and a little strange to look out in the audience and see yourself yes. you know, over and over again. But it's that's, wild. That's the Rocky Horror quality we have that Alice originally talked about is that, I, I mean, we knew that there was a big fan base, but we didn't, you know, we didn't say, hey, come, you know, wear costumes. People did that on their own. So we just said, wow, this is great. And we, we pivoted right into it yeah. and we welcomed it. And, you know, even offering, um, during the month of October, we did cost costume contests and it was amazing because you walk in there on any given night and, and it's not just costumes. What's really impressive to me is the time that these, that our, our audience takes to put into that costume. Like, Oh yeah, most of them are homemade. There's like no store-bought things oh in our audience. God. What and about? Can, oh, can I say the most gratifying is when people are wearing costumes based on the, the musical. The musical. Yes. Yes. Like when you see the Girl Scout, like characters that didn't exist in the movie. You're like, these people have like connected on some deep level. They're like, what, what it is in the musical. It's it's really exciting. It's creating its own cult thing, which is what I think is so is is has been what has become so successful about the show, is that it has become what. One of my friends said, which I took as a complete compliment, I think it could be taken another way. He said, what this show feels like is uh, you just rode a ride at a theme park and you race the line to get back in line right after you go. Because <laughs> you just want to beat the rest of the crowds because you know how great it already is and the people behind you don't. And so you want to go back before they get a chance to even figure it out. Oh, and now people are starting true. to figure it out. So we're packing the joint 
uh, and it's, I mean, it makes our job very easy because it's nice to have a full house, uh, but it's also nice to have a full house of weirdos and freaks and just like us. Well, I think in the beginning, you're right that you did have, there was Beetlejuice fans out there, people who love the movie, but now it's people who love the show yeah. that are coming back and back and bringing their friends and everybody. And, and um, that's got to be so satisfying. And just looking, looking to the future, um, it's just a fun thought to think how in the world schools across the country are going <laughs> oh. to be doing this show oh, yeah. and yes. attempting to be you, Alex. I can't wait for Beetlejuice Jr., Oh, sort of like the middle school versions. A lot of cuts. There'll be a lot of cuts and trims. Yeah, well, yes, there will be, but (laughs) but I think the spirit of it it will exist. And it's funny because when we were talking about stock and amateur rights with different companies, everybody pitching. There was such an enthusiasm, and you know we've had other shows, but there was something about this. And when you look at you know that uh, the Adams Family is the number one show done in schools this past year. Everybody's like, oh, well, this has that feel to it, but it's its own thing. And and it just is it's exciting. And I agree with these guys. I cannot wait to see like, oh my Beetlejuice God. in Absolutely. schools. Um, I cannot it's such wait. such a thrill. Well, this is why we have to do the podcast about your voice, because you're going to have kids all over the country. I'll do a master class <laughs> yeah. online. Okay, done. Yeah. $1,000 for membership. <laughs> and exactly. I will do it. I'm all just right. trying to make money, you guys. Well, I see the, the New York Post headlines, like the, the vaping deaths you see. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's like really... tried to do the Alex Brightman voice yep. in their high school play. Yeah, and I'm sorry <laughs> about that, everybody. Um, there has been just such a a, a giant um, leap uh, for your show that um, audiences who've already seen it are racing back, um, and a whole new audience is discovering it. And a lot of that has to do, um, aside from great word of mouth, but with uh, TikTok. Do you want to talk about um, how all that happened? Uh, again, it's, it's one of those things that sort of happened organically. Um, we had people doing these videos and I, I have to be honest I didn't know what TikTok was and my, you know I, I still do don't kids. by the way <laughs> and I'm uh, on it I don't uh, know what it is uh, and my, my kids do and I was like and they're like of course but you really shouldn't know what it is yeah. And, yeah and it was kind of really exciting to start to see I mean it's it's more than just TikTok but that's been the major platform but our the fans have not only made these videos but they even take our songs and they start animating them. I mean, creating animation and like mini cartoons. And they're making these videos on TikTok and they're getting really involved. And it's all costumes and they create scenery. And it, and by the way, it also, it helped that our album has had such, has taken off. I mean, right now we've done over a hundred million streams in, you know, in 20, what's it, like 22 weeks. It's incredible. But that those things dovetailing together have created this sort of phenomenon. I remember when TikTok was on the cover of Arts and Leisure of the New York Times about maybe three weeks ago, there was a picture and one of them was the picture of, of Beetlejuice. And we were like, wow, that's kind of cool. But it's just one of these things that kids are able to express themselves and we've given them something, to express, a tool to express themselves with. And it's unbelievably gratifying. I mean, if you look at my Facebook page, Every time I see like an animated video, I share it because I'm just trying to show our fans that we appreciate it because I'm blown away that they actually take the time and it means so much to us that it means so much to them. What's also just really quickly great about TikTok in general for us as a cast is that a lot of us are over the age of 25, 26, um, but we have one cast member who is 15 years old who has become our sort of ambassador of TikTok and has become like, in her own right, and she deserves it, 
kind of famous on TikTok for being sort of the one that has generated the most content is from us, from our show, and that's Presley, uh, uh, the understudy uh, for Lydia, and she has become such a vital key to not only what we're doing on TikTok, but to explain what it is to me. <laughs> she's putting me on video and I go, what did I just do? And she explains it to me and I, I nod my head and I don't know what she's talking about. But she has gained, she has gained not only a fan base out from Beetlejuice, but people know her now, uh, just as a quick anecdote, we did the Broadway flea market and she was selling Do a TikTok with Presley and they sold out more than anything we sold that was autographed. I mean, it was, people are, I mean, that's been an amazing, as Mark said, a tool on so many different levels. It's really raised money for charity too, which has been great. Terrific. And yes, and it's it's amazing and it, it keeps going on and, and you know, also one of the things that we've also found is whenever we put out a music video or we put out a piece of content, the fans are so excited. So we keep, it, it makes us want to create more content. We have things coming out in the next couple of weeks. I'm not going to give anything away, but little pieces of of content that we're doing specifically for our fans is basically thank you for being so uh, you know so enthusiastic about what we've done right well it's a really creative group right <laughs> i mean these yeah. fans are like they're not just digesting content they're creating content and that's the fun thing about tiktok right it's incredibly creative minds making quick change videos or like comedy videos or um, you know, it's the thing I would like to believe, like if Tim Burton were 15 now, the young Tim Burton right now would be making like amazing TikTok videos, right? <laughs> uh, you know, because sure. without yeah. the means yeah. of production, here you are, like you're, you're creating things. And, uh, and wh what I love most, I'm just going to speak for myself, are these like amazing Kabuki quick change videos. Uh, <laughs> oh because God. when we hired William Ivy Long, I was like, I was like, this is the master of the quick change. And here, like, you know, uh, you've got like the, the young William Ivy Long's also That's sort right. of using quick cutting to do what he does with, <laughs> a, you know, like a, a magnet. But, That's right. you know, it's the same idea. Well, I'm, I want to say bravo because I, I think that uh, it's just so, so challenging to do an ambitious show, period. But then to take a movie, adapt it for the stage, and make it entirely its own in, in the storytelling, in the visual, in the performance, it's just a massive accomplishment. Bravo to each of you. Thanks. And thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing your stories. Alex Timbers, extraordinary director, Mark Hoffman, producer, Alex Brightman, star extraordinaire so oh, thank, thank you guys you. so much can't wait to see it again and thank you thank you, very, thank you much. very much it was a pleasure thank you so much for listening to deep dive broadway and you can find me on instagram at dory.berenstein or at bpn.fm forward slash deep dive broadway Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.